Hello, and welcome back to the latest big episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. My name is Dave Brown, and today my guest is Derek Thompson, a friend of the show. Uh, We started off talking about art, and in particular an art installation, a sculpture in St. Austell, which was a sculpture of Mother Earth, and the church got a bit peed off about it. Uh, We then moved on to a discussion about art, and then Derek basically interviewed me about my shroom experience of the weekend, and we got into a bit of a chat about consciousness. Uh, I really enjoyed it, because I like talking about myself, but actually no, I like talking about my experience of the weekend, it's been hugely enlightening. Uh, So anyway, have a listen, I do hope you enjoy it, and I will catch you briefly at the end. Bye. Hello. Hello there. How are you doing? Not bad. A bit bit sinusy. So if you hear lots of sniffing, I'm not doing coke or anything. I'm just uh, moving okay. focus around. It's good to make that clear. Well, yeah, exactly. Because you know how the public are apt to react. Yes, indeed, because like millions of people listen to this. It could happen. You never know. You never know. Um, so today's subject will be whatever it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we did have a brief exchange. We were going to do this a while ago. Um, and it was relating to, I did actually read a, a newspaper article on it, a, a sculpture it was St. Ives, wasn't it? Was it St. Ives? St. Austell. St. Austell, sorry, yeah. So <clears throat> St. Austell, there was a sculpture in St. Austell by somebody, and it was a sculpture of Mother Earth, or relating to Mother Earth. Um, and the church got in a bit of a kerfuffle about it. Yeah, the, the, art, the artist is called Sandy Brown. I did a little bit of research to remind myself. And I think it was seven. I said, so I do research and then I say, I think seven leaders, church leaders, wrote to the town council and essentially said, it's an idol, it's offensive to God. And uh, the fact that it's called uh, an earth goddess is uh, very dodgy and a bad influence. And essentially, we want you to move it and, um, or at the very least, change the name. And, and presumably knock all the churches down. Well, you know, there's, there's so many layers of this to unpick. I mean, you sort of think, what if someone had put a Buddha there? Would that be offensive and to whom? It's, well, everything's, I, everything's going to be offensive to someone. Well, you know, to make a I know it's a big generalisation, but I think it, it bears itself out on social media nowadays that, that everything is going to be offensive to somebody. Um, certainly if they're the kind of person who isn't accepting of other people's beliefs. Yeah, they, they clearly um, represented or mobilised a lot of feeling because apparently, according to what I read, so it must be true, hundreds of people signed a petition. One of the issues, I think, is that is stated is that the council have allowed a, a statue sort of in the middle of town that has some sort of religious connotations. I mean, the artist, Sandy Brown, she says, no, it's it's not religious at all. She said it's celebrating Mother Earth. And obviously it's roughly in the shape of a kind of symbol of Venus. So you could argue that there's a kind of feminist and therefore misogynist element to it. You know, the offence taken. I I just find it fascinating, really, that the, the people who are of a, a, a Christian persuasion, and that's their lived experience, they believe that that trumps anyone else's experience. Yeah, which, which I mean, look, I'm not a religious person. I'm, I don't really know much about it. I've never really bothered to find out much about it. But surely they should be the opposite of that, shouldn't they? Isn't that what Christianity is all about? Judge not, lest you be judged, I believe. Not that I'm uh, any sort of expert. No. So it's an interesting one. Um, it's, I suppose it's an interpretation on their part. I mean, to me, that's just about 
nature, isn't it? I would have thought so. Yeah, Mother Earth is a is a sort of an embodiment of the natural world. Yeah, of which we are of which we're a part, by the way. Yeah, it's a personification. I mean, there's the other argument, which you know, you and I have sort of discussed in messages about you know what is art, what is good art. I mean, arguably, the fact that it's got people talking uh, and polarized opinion. Yep means it's done its job you know witness for example tracy emin a lot of people were critical of her and her unmade bed but people talked about it. it it seemed to sort of affect them or um what's his name duchamp who supposedly signed a urinal yes except he stole the idea from somebody else or the or the pile of bricks whoever that was yeah i remember that yeah yeah. Um, and all the sunflower seeds. That was the Chinese fellow, wasn't it? Oh, I, wait, wait. Yeah. I, yes. What I would say about the sunflower seeds and the earth goddess, which is interesting, is that, and uh, Trace Emmons, I may bear, in fact, in terms of art, and I'm absolutely no artist whatsoever, as every art teacher I ever had to get a test. Yeah. One of my art teachers, genuinely true story, slapped me in class. Right. We had to, we had to paint pictures of the, the person opposite us. And she said, I, w- I won't do an impression of a voice because it wasn't uh, a London voice. But she said, I want you to paint what you see. And I did. And clearly, either my friend was a bit purple or I don't have an artist's eye. And uh, she said, no, no, that's not right. Paint what you see. And I said, that is what I see. So she slapped, took the took the painting, for want of a better word, away and said, do it again. So that's my experience of art. Wow. So no wonder you, you you're not an artist. Well, I, I never was. So I think that's the truth of it. But how old were yeah, you? How old were you at the time? Out of interest? I was. Um, I was about twelve, I think. That's that's um. Formative. She should have been. She should be fired for that. <laughs> it's a long time. Well, I don't and know. I'm, and I'm and I'm not joking. I mean, if that's her attitude to. Well, it wasn't like a, she didn't knock me across the room. I mean. No, I, 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 look, I don't even mean she should be fired for slapping you. She should be fired for having that approach well yeah i i in that in that regard i would agree with you because again you know what what is art what i would say about ai Weiwei, tracy emin and others is that and obviously sandy brown is that there has been intent and effort to make things you know to actually yes. put something of yourself to represent an idea whether it's therapy whether it's um some kind of intangible theme you're trying to get across whereas arguably um putting a set of bricks together is kind of taking the piss yes yeah i get it i mean with with tracy emin's bed i mean i, I probably got caught up in the just before i could really think for myself i probably got caught up in in all the hype and all the conversations around it but but looking at it now that's not an easy thing to do that's not just a you know she didn't just presumably go into a bedroom and empty the contents of it out and onto the floor and and that was it there's there was some effort went in to placing all those things in a particular place yeah and it's it's all of that is rich if that's the right word in symbolism personal meaning to her which obviously might not transfer to the audience as well i mean hmm. which sort of brings us neatly on or across I've done a real leap there. Uh, to your recent experiences and insights to consciousness and how, yes. or even if, you can translate your insights and awarenesses to, say, someone like me, or maybe not yep. like me, who hasn't had that lived experience. I mean, that's fascinating, how you convey the depth of meaning. Uh, which I think is going to be a challenge, but I can... Well, look, I'll just talk about it and we'll see we'll see where we go with it. Um, so on Saturday, I took magic mushrooms for the first time. I don't know what magic mushrooms they were. Um, they were supplied to me by the son of somebody. Um, I'm not sure what the dosage was even. They were ground up in honey. Ah, I've never heard of that. Now, now, having sort of researched it a bit, we probably did be considered a medium to high dose based on on the effects of it. So we did these at about three o'clock. The effects were apparent very quickly, within five minutes. 
um, and had a very intense two hours, followed by it, it kind of began suddenly, ended relatively suddenly. I don't know how much of that was prompted by myself because I said, oh, I think it's I think it's coming to an end. And then it did. Right. And it did for my mate, too. <laughs> so there was a lot of kind of suggestion going on between us. But anyway, for that two hours, I just kind of wandered about in the house, laid on the sofa. He just sat in a chair. Um, lots of sort of visuals with eyes open visuals, you know, patterns yeah. in the in the well. There are no patterns in the wallpaper here, but patterns in the wallpaper, um, in the floor, floor undulating, that kind of stuff. But when I shut my eyes, some amazing, just these sort of rolling, boiling, geometric visuals. Um, but within those, some, some particular messages, one of them being, um, you need to be able to receive the love you're being given to be able to give love to others. What made you decide to stay inside and not go outdoors? Um, j just because it's I've never done it before. Oh, okay. So I, was like, I, I didn't know, didn't yeah. know, didn't know what to expect. I mentioned um, that, um, people that I know that have tried ver various natural ways of uh, expanding consciousness. Rec I say recommend. They've said that when they go outside, their connection with trees particularly but with just the elements is quite uh well eye-opening well we we went out later on i mean it was uh it was in the afternoon so there were a lot of this as you know the park is not far from me um there were lots of people around and like i say we just didn't know we didn't know <laughs> yeah what we, what we looked like i mean there are some some weird visuals we we tried to have some conversations and couldn't string a sentence together Although I knew I knew what I meant, I couldn't form or it's almost like the words, yeah. the words. I couldn't connect the words together for them to make sense. Um, and I suppose the, there's the experience itself. And then it was very mellow in the in the, the evening and we had something to eat and, and went to sleep. And, and you know, I've, I have tried other other substances in the past, you know, in my clubbing years. And um, I suppose it's partly down to you know, the environment that you're in. I mean, I went into it. It wasn't about party time. It was about, I was seeking something more spiritual. Yeah. So that was my intention in, in, in the first place. But, but yeah, and it's just some really strong messages. And the conversations we did have, the, the words. Um, so, I mean, at one point my mate said, I was, I was getting up and trying to find something to do and then laying back down again. And, he, and he, at one point he just said, you don't need to do anything, Dave. Right. And that's just some words, but they were really, really profound. And they and they're, they're still in me now. So I think that's that's um, I did a podcast this morning, which was less a reflection on on the event itself, but more how I feel right now. Yeah. And it's almost like all the all the personal work I've been doing, you know, for the last 10 years, I'd I'd I had really improved aspects of myself but there was something about me that didn't quite believe that I had. And now it feels like all of that has been integrated. Right. So it has been a hugely profound experience, the experience itself, and then the subsequent days. And I think if anything, I've, I've, I feel better now than I did like a day after and two days after. We're only, what, four days, fourth day now? Saturday, yeah, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, yeah. We're on Wednesday now, aren't we? So it's the fourth day. And things have improved. So when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'd often be in a bit of a fug, which is very similar to my experience of depression. And then I come out of it in a, an hour or two. That is much quicker now. Um, I've been doing stuff that I've been putting off. You know, just household chores, you know, the stuff that you don't... Yeah. I mean, I've, I've hoovered the bedroom this morning, but not just gone, not just whizzed around with the hoover. I've hoovered everything. <laughs> gone all around the edges you know everything i've taken moved everything and i've so so i mean maybe that is that is metaphorical in a way it's a cleansing I thing i know in the past i mean you certainly in the last few podcasts you sound a bit more relaxed doesn't quite capture it you seem more kind of accepting of you know what is 
I know we're getting a bit zen here, but that's all right as well. But I know previously you've talked about how your your sort of spikes in energy and enthusiasm and focus remind you of sort of ADHD. Yeah. Do, do you still feel that apparent or do you feel that that's kind of less of a, I don't want to say less of an issue, but something you're less aware of in yourself? I think it, I think the word you use is accepting. I'm more accepting of it, but, but so whether it's the acceptance or, or the psychedelic experience, I mean, hoovering the bedroom this morning i would have old me let's say it's yeah. old me new me old me would have just been quite frustrated and frantic the whole time and probably halfway through got really pissed off and started to try and talk himself out of finishing right. but i had a calmness i just did it just very methodically calmly and that's what i'm finding that that quality is currently in my life I've talked about this before, haven't I? The mindful mornings, they're just yes, taking yeah. everything, just, you know, not really slowly, but just that little bit slower. Um, so it's a bit like I was saying about all the improvement stuff. It's, it's like, it's it's work, it's taking effort. It doesn't take any effort at the moment. I'm just kind of, I'm getting more done, a lot more done. Um, and I'm going, I am going to find things to do. So it's weird. The big message was you don't have to do anything, but I'm doing more. <laughs> I don't know who it, I think it's a Buddhist phrase. I can't remember to be honest. Terrible, but it definitely wasn't um, wasn't a Dalai Lama, and he definitely didn't say dance like nobody's watching. But it, yeah. we do without doing, and everything gets done. Yes. Yeah. So, but but this is I don't know. It's like supercharged my my improvement. Let's say. Um, and all right, it, it, you know, it remains to be seen what happens from now on but it certainly feels like something is building rather than I'm trying to keep myself at a level you know I'm trying to get myself back up to this level of how I feel let's say um this is just happening now it's almost like it's not up to me I don't I don't have to and, and maybe that maybe the message was less about practical doing of things and more about being more accepting of myself Right. Yeah, and I don't have to do any work on that. Like, like not trying to push the river, as a, a friend of mine yeah. likes to say. And I, and I do think, you know, I, I sort of, you know, my mate and I, we've had some sort of text conversations and, and actually had a, you know, talking conversation and we've been sort of sharing. He's done it before. He did it at a festival and he said it, you know, the fool. He said, oh, yeah, you know, they're not really that strong. <laughs> but he'd had a few beers and that detracts from it, I think. Um, and he was in an environment where there was lots going on. So he didn't have the full experience, whereas we just sat around in the house. You know, we got some food and stuff, got ourselves prepared because we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it does feel like now there's something in me that is self-perpetuating as opposed to I wake up in the morning, feel shit. I need to get myself moving, do a workout, you know, all that stuff. Even my workouts are... I'm much more focused on on the benefit I, I am getting or will get from it rather than this is another job to do. When you, when you and your friend sort of reflect on the experience or even in the experience, did you feel at any point that you're, I mean, we, we're using words like symbols here, but did you feel at any point that your kind of consciousnesses were connected or in touch with one another? Um. I'm not, I'm not sure I could say that, you know, yeah. we talked very briefly when we kind of both came back in the room. So yeah. if I laid down, shut my eyes, I went somewhere, right. you know, all these visuals and then every so often it's like, Oh, this is too much. So I'd get up, walk about, I'd be back in the room, but even being back in the room, I didn't feel like it, whilst I was observing from within my own body, it was like I was observing someone else doing the things I was doing, you know, making a cup of tea or whatever, which I could just about do <laughs> at the time at, the, at its peak. But I mean, you know, one of the things they say about, about um, psilocybin is that that whole, um, you know, loss of ego. Right. E what I can't remember the term ego collapse or whatever it is, um, which happens on, on, you know, strong doses. But, 
I certainly did feel like I, I'd, I'd lost the sense of who I was, which is a bit disconcerting. Does that? Um, so think- a lot of the conversations I was having with myself was, you know, just, just, just surrender to it, just let it do its thing. But first time, it was like, a t- it's just like too much. So maybe if I'd have just gone with it completely, it would have been an even, you know, an even more powerful experience. And then, you know, next time, if and when there is one, I'll be better prepared to let that happen. Does it change feel- your, your sort of relationship with, with what you want from the podcast, do you think? Are you more relaxing into that? Um, I, I I think lately, and I did I did I did did make the comment in a in one of I think it's one of this weeks is that is that the podcast I, 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 I at that time the podcast is more of a it's almost an anchor for my journey let's say I hate the word journey but it's almost like a place to come back to right a ref, a reference point and an acknowledgement so this is me documenting my 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 journey, my progress, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, what I do know is that since the weekend, I have only talked about that experience in my podcast. Yeah, I, I like, I have to um, say, I, I like that about the podcast that you go through a bit, a bit like an artist, actually. If you ever see someone who's studying art, you see the sketchbooks, they'll say, oh, this, this was my sort of phase of, looking at structures of nature bones and leaves and twigs and it's reflected in their art and then later on they they're introduced to something else another artist another style and i think your podcast is like that you go through obviously there's the park there are uh, the misdirected seagulls but there's also reflections on whatever's going on in the world and now it's whatever's going on in, in dave's sort of internal world and i think that's good it makes it I mean, you, you may possibly lose some of your vast audience. You may gain some, but I suppose in the end, that's not what it's about. I mean, you've, you didn't set out to be the, I can't even think of it, the, I'm trying to think of a very famous journalist or broadcaster of podcasts. I, well, I know what I mean. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't set out. I, look, I started doing it because I needed something to do. I needed something to do that I could just do that had no no um influence from outside yeah something that i could just you know get up or whatever time of day i do it just do it and at times it's become a bit of a chore it's not a chore at the moment because i've got something that is is really interesting to me to talk about when i first started i was just walking around the park commenting about the park wasn't i and yeah but i suppose it's interesting to compare it to my experience on saturday where i was kind of you know stepping out of the room and then back in the room i think yeah. my podcast has done a bit of that i've been in the park just talking yeah. about the park but then i've gone into you know maybe reflections on like you say what's going on in the world my just my view on that yeah um and and then also something a bit more introspective but i've been very introspective for for the last maybe two years i think mm-hmm. you know on average but Saturday's experience has has kind of turned that outward a bit more. It so sounds, I do feel more connected to nature. It sounds a bit like I don't know if you've ever kept a journal. Uh, yeah, I have for for brief periods of time. It's I, I think I'm well. I have I've kept a journal for the last three hundred and twenty days. It's just an audio one. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. There's a book which you might have heard of called The Artist's Way. Yes, I've read it. I've done. I've actually been through that process. Okay, well, for the, for any anyone who's who's never heard of it, I think it is a name Julia Cameron. I think it is something like that. Yeah. But essentially, you drag your sorry ass up first thing in the morning, and then you write. I think it's three pages about anything. I, I, it's two two from memory, but it doesn't really matter. I might be right. I, that's inflation for you. But yeah, uh, I, I can remember. I've done it two or three times, and initially you. For me, anyway, you're sort of bitching about you can't think of anything to write or some very suspect limericks or a shopping list. But eventually, because your your brain, your mind gets attuned to that as a space to create within probably, I don't know, three or four weeks, I was getting ideas for short stories, uh, 
many yeah. of which I never bothered to develop. But that again, that wasn't the point. The point was exactly like your podcast to do it to be a sort of hollow vessel and just see what turned up. Yeah, but also, I mean, it's like on the days when I can't think of anything to say, just talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, just talk about the fact that I can't think of anything to say or I don't feel like I know what I'm talking about or or whatever, because I, th- I mean, personally, I think the, the world needs a lot more of that. People to be able to just say, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, that's you what know, if, you at, about... if you look at politics, wouldn't it be refreshing? Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, there are very few. Um... If they could say, look, we're just not really sure what to do. Anyone got any ideas? No, <laughs> yeah, I think that's statistically improbable, uh, as some of yeah. them don't even know when to enter a door in a state funeral. Well, but also they're, they're not they're not doing what they do in order to find solutions. They're doing what they do in order to stay in power. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the problem. But anyway, let's not, let's not go down. Let's not go down oh, the, political, <laughs> the political well, route. But you, you did mention in your message earlier that you've had some, some experiences with meditation that are possibly comparable to the experience that I had. Yeah, I, d- I don't know if, I don't know if they're comparable, but I'll, I'll as we're talking about them, and this is a kind of disclosure thing, I've had um, two two experiences come to mind. Now, context, I think, is everything. But one, well, I'll give you three experiences because we might as well go the, the full Monty. So one of them was in California many, many years ago. And uh, actually, the people around me or some of them around me at the time were uh, doing psilocybin and other stuff. Uh, and I wasn't, so I was like the uh, vicar at the party. But yeah. in one particular time, I was out in, oh, how was it? California. No, that's a lie. I was in Oregon. Look at me, name dropping. I was in Oregon. <laughs> among the, yeah. you do, among the uh, Medford, I think it was, among the uh, redwood trees. And it was yeah. a hollowed out uh, redwood tree, or what was left of it. And I sat in there and meditated. So I was essentially in a tree trunk. I'd be getting... yep. I'm making a cup of coffee, by the way. I, I wasn't sure. I, I thought yeah. maybe you'd started talking uh, parcel tongue. No, but no, no. Sorry, carry on. Anyway, so I'm sat there meditating, as you do. And I heard this sound. I've put this in the novel, actually. It might be the only bit that survives the way the novel's going. But I heard <laughs> sound, which was like... I would describe it like the heartbeat of the world and it wasn't mine and it was both immediately close to me and around me and as I meditate the sound increased and the pulse got faster and faster until there came a point almost like the bursting of a balloon or the shattering of a bubble and it just stopped and I mean obviously I was still breathing but there was absolute stillness yeah. It was like floating in the void. It was great. It was one of those, I presume it's like a flotation tank. I don't know. But yeah, that the the experience that I had um was I can't even tell you where I was, but I remember the experience. I was out at dawn, out in the open, and I heard what I can only describe as like a choir singing. And there was no one around. And the sound was the grass and the trees and the grass had these really high higher pitch um tones and the trees were deeper yeah we were singing to the dawn and i wasn't i wasn't um meditating i wasn't in a necessarily altered state of consciousness though clearly uh, it was wasn't the norm yeah. um, but the context was I was out there and I suppose it, it, I'd gone out there for a kind of spiritual walk and it was um, a, a tangible sensory experience. And the third one, which is sort of similar to that, but the context is slightly different. I was walking along the road. This was in East London loads of years ago. And this music was playing really loudly. And you know how when, when you get a neighbor and someone's got music that's playing loudly and it really annoys you. Mm. And I thought, oh, for heaven's sake, you know, surely some people should have some more respect. And I stopped. It was the Hallelujah Chorus, which was a bit odd. And I realised that the sound was in my head. Right. Now, what I would say in context is I'm a big fan of a, a writer called Richard Bach, who wrote a fantastic book called Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. 
always yep. give the book away, get them in junk shops, junk shops, um, charity shops. And in that book, the same thing happens or something similar. So I wonder if because I liked the book and I've read it many times, I sort of imported that experience and created it for myself. Ooh. Hello again. We're back again, back in the room. Sorry about that. As I was saying to you, my wife called me in the middle of recording a podcast and it just cuts the whole thing off i like i like that though because it's reality so yeah i've had these experiences yeah. and they're absolutely real to me yeah. whether, whether they have an objective reality is actually irrelevant in the same way that i've talked to people who've had experiences like yours and i've said well yeah as an outsider because you know that to those who have experienced no words are necessary to those who haven't no words are possible which is another quote from an old yoga teacher yeah um but i've sort of said it you know you are you sure what you think you experience you experience and who knows i think what matters is not where it comes from and how real it is and how you can quantify it but what effect it has on you and how it changes you that's all that matters really yeah i mean i think for me it's about perception isn't it so two people can experience the same thing and have a different response to it yeah um you know if you're already in a a dark place then you're going to see things more negatively um so i do feel that my perception of i mean let's say life in general has has certainly it's shifted in a good way but it's also consolidated i think perceptions that maybe I've had to work at a bit so I've been convincing myself that I see things in a certain way can you sort of elaborate I'm not sure if I could I don't know if I can that's the thing it's it's very difficult to to describe so you know I, I see myself prior to this I see myself you know someone who doesn't really get too uptight about me yeah You've gone absolutely quiet and I'm left filling in talking to myself and not for the first time. This is the bit where I should do a book advert, but I don't think I will. I think you might have unplugged yourself, which is a good metaphor for consciousness. Hello there. Hello again, I'm talking to myself. Third <laughs> 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 time lucky. So I, I should mention that my uh, specialist skill is statistical improbability. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. We go out for, on those rare occasions, we go out for a meal, more likely tea and coffee. And the cake that I want will be the one that's just been sold. Yeah. So, so often that, I mean, it used to annoy me, but it amuses me now. So anything that happens just happens. Yeah. And I think actually that there's, a, there's, you know, you're asking me how my perception has changed. There's probably a good example and something that's changed in me anyway. I would get annoyed by something like that. I mean, properly annoyed by something like that in the past, but now it's like, oh, I'll just have something else. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, but, but, but this experience on Saturday is, is just, like I say, consolidated, reinforced that. Anyway, sorry, you were in the middle of something. I don't know how far No, not gone, really. So. That, that was it. Um, do you, we'll do you feel that people around you have noticed the change in you? Have they commented on it? No, but then I haven't been around lots of people since yeah and actually i'm not generally in my life i'm not around lots of people i have noticed certainly my my response to them being different right um and i think that perhaps over time they will notice it i remember when i got into all the nlp stuff people did start to comment on how i was that i was different in some way um so I, I don't know. And, and sometimes we just, we, you know, we might notice something, but we don't, 
really consciously notice something. I think awesome. register. We just we just experience people slightly differently. Do you do you think? I mean, one of the I remember having discussions with other people who'd used the psilocybin and other stuff, and they said, "Oh, you know, you need to be clear when you do it." I it, there are things sort of behind the door, as it were, or can be within the self, within the psyche, and if you have I suppose known unresolved traumas or issues, you they're likely to uh, emerge. So, do you think that one of the reasons why you've decided to do this now is because you're in a space where you have done the work, you're doing the work, and you're perhaps more clear than you would have been if, say, you, you thought about doing it two years ago? Yeah, I, I, I think that's quite quite possible, maybe even likely. I mean, you know one of the things you know we, it was familiar surroundings yeah um i was with someone who who i i trust completely you know a friend of of over 20 years um and that's what they say you know you know be around people who who you who you know and trust be somewhere where you feel you know safe comfortable um and i think you know i, I don't have any real huge trauma i have i have some i've had some trauma let's say you know, childhood experiences that are on the face of it pretty, you know, nothing really, but they, they impact you in a big way because you're, because you're young and unable to, to deal with it. So I think it's interesting. I've been trying to get some for quite some time, for a couple of years and, and, and failed. So it does feel a bit like it was, it was just the right time. Yeah. It, it, it presented the opportunity, it presented itself at the right time. So I think, yes, but there was, you know, laying back and shutting my eyes, there were some, you know, it was almost like, I can't really remember now, I don't know if it was sort of my own negative self-talk coming into play, but it didn't seem like me saying it. It was like something other than me saying it. But it was very easy just to push that away. And I think having, you know, there, there are some there are some cl clinical trials being done in the UK and, there, there, you know, there's more scientific study coming into play so using using these substances to treat things like PTSD yeah and they make them the, the people are able to relive those experiences but without the associated feelings or certainly not as powerful so rather than it be something that makes it worse or opens these things up it does open them up but it makes them easier to deal with them and I guess maybe that is this kind of this almost out of body part of it you know you know, you know, it's like if you've experienced the trauma and something reminds you of that trauma, it's like you're reliving it again, isn't it? Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. trauma is interesting because, you know, it's the closest we get to time travel. And uh, I was <laughs> I was talking, I'm laughing, but this might go in a strange direction. I was talking to someone recently about um, the way that, different experiences can affect different people at different times yep. and um oh, i might as well do it okay there's a there's a, a very old joke which i'll i'll whiz through and i'll tell you this, the story behind it so yeah there's a stage magician and he's and apologies to whoever wrote this joke because we're plagiarizing it i suppose on radio yeah radio that's good that's the yeah. future it's kind so, of like the radio Exactly. Stage magician. And he says, uh, by the power of my stagecraft or magic or whatever, I will feel no pain. And he says, I invite a member of the audience to come up. So he puts a he puts a, a watermelon on his head and he gets yep. to the person. I want you to get this hammer and just crack it. So they bring it down, split it. Great. And then eventually he works through various fruit and veg and he gets a coconut and he says, I'd like to invite a member of the audience. And this person comes up very sort of gingerly. They get one of these, um, not a sledgehammer, you know, one of those hammers that you use at a fairground yep. to hit the bell. Ding. I don't know what they're called. Anyway, some sort of hammer. Yeah. I should have researched this joke better before I started. No, don't worry about it. Just he just says, right. Me. Okay. I want you to take a swing, break the coconut. I will feel no pain. Ta -da. So this person takes a swing and just taps it. He says, now, come on, do it properly. So they 
really angered up and swing crack and the guy you can see him wincing he says no no i will feel no pain i want you to do this properly so this time they take a real swing smack they split the coconut the guy is unconscious yeah curtains are pulled the magician is in hospital and he's in a coma with a, a traumatic head injury and he's there for a month and every day this poor soul visits him from the audience you know feels terrible and on the 30th day he sat with him and the magician slowly opens his eyes and says ta-da <laughs> now here's the thing i once told this joke to someone and unfortunately and unbeknown to me they had had some sort of undisclosed trauma yeah i know that because they started having palpitations and a bit of a panic attack which was terrible absolutely not what i was expecting um and i sort of very quickly withdrew and i never told him a joke again yeah but what's interesting to me is i actually had an experience where i was the victim of a mugging yeah and someone squeezed my throat and put a hammer to the side of my head a claw hammer very cold it was and threatened to smash my effing skull in blah 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 blah. the interesting thing is i still find the joke really funny yes and that's that's the odd nature of trauma and i couldn't even tell you why i'm not traumatized but you know i don't go into b and q and and uh start um hyperventilating and that's not in any way to make fun of this person who had the trauma but the the personal nature of it the personal context not only in that, but in everything that we experience, where we act to, and that goes again back to these um, religious people, where a statue threatens their reality and offends their sensibilities because of the way that they're wired, because of perhaps ideas that they've never processed. And going back to what you were saying about being egoless, the ego collapse, and never standing outside themselves and saying, "Well, hang on." You know how real is this and how objectively real is it does it matter yes and that, i mean i suppose and it's 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 maybe about what people attach their trauma to and by that i mean if you think about your experience the threat wasn't the hammer the threat was the person with the hammer that's interesting yeah, yeah. i'm not saying it is i mean this is just me talking no, that, make, um, that makes sense because, you know... You're, you're not traumatised by hammers. No. I'm not a fan of West Ham, it has to be said. But <laughs> Well, no, but that's, that's probably an entirely different... <laughs> that's, that's a different podcast. <laughs> um, but I, I suppose, you know, we... we, we you know, maybe we just... We, we, we focus on certain things. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you, you have those... You do have those moments where something happens... And you don't really get the opportunity to to consciously think. And so, I mean, you know, something like being mugged, it's where, you, you know, you're in fight or flight mode, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so you remember certain aspects of it. You certainly remember the cold. That's something you mentioned in, the, in that description. Yeah, yeah. I remember the cold metal and the guy leaving a thumb bruise on my neck. Yeah. Um, so point being, though, there was a lot of other stuff going on at the time. But that's something that stands out to you, you know? Yeah, it's, I suppose it's a bit like, you know, this idea that when someone is uh, at a fairground or a car accident is the classic and how time seems to slow down. Yeah. You become aware of details. I mean, in your recent experience, were you able to or were you even drawn to focus in on sort of minute details? Um, Was it a big picture kind of? To be honest with you, it was just very introspective. So, so my my wandering around the house was more a case of just I just need to I need to have a break from this intense experience. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, I was very interested in the wallpaper, um, and actually the floor in the kitchen, which is a um, a wood effect floor where I could see. So it's, it's it's as if you know as if there are set, you know little short planks of wood put down on the floor. Oh yeah. Um, and I could just, they, they would, you know, the, the, the various, the grain in the various pieces of wood was flowing in different directions. Right. Once it, once I got into it, it was just like, it was, it was a very introspective. So I think if I was to do it again, it might be just like, get, let's get outside. 
because yeah. actually, as I've as I've said earlier, my my focus as a consequence of this has become less on myself and more and more to bigger things. Yeah. Just that's just how it feels at the moment. I'm I'm sort of I don't know. I feel more connected to myself, but also to you know to nature and just people. Less so people at the moment. But that may be just the stage I'm at because, you know, and I think I said in my podcast that I recorded this morning, you know, it's like you don't just want to be connected to all people because some of them are dicks, aren't they? Well, I think that's the lesson of social media, isn't it? You can you can have 10,000 connections, but they're not real connections. And also there isn't the time. There's no depth of meaning. You, I know they've done, oh, I say I know they've done, I believe they've done studies uh, about how many people you can intelligently stay connected with friends family and have meaningful relationships and it's a surprisingly small number in your sort of inner circle yes i think i think i think the figure was 150 but that's not not necessarily for close relationships that's just for just people generally yeah i think any any kind of you know any kind of relationship with it's about 150 I think you're right. I think the inner circle is five or seven. I yeah. think that when you find a sort of life partner, two of your inner circle generally get ousted, I suppose, because you've only got so much attention or love or interest. Yeah. 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 I mean, we've only got so much energy for it, really, haven't you? Well, otherwise, I think it becomes superficial. And that, that is the thing online. I mean, I find half the time, I don't know why I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, it's been great because I've met you and other people um, who've got something interesting to say, occasionally challenging, often funny. But you do get to a point, or I have got to a point where I sort of feel like I'm there for stimulus, entertainment, ideas, but certainly not for employment opportunities. Now, whether that says something about me as a writer or whether I've just got in with a kind of more interesting crowds and some of it is also i think to do with age and expectation if i were a go-getting 20 something yeah. i would have different um expectations which i know we keep looping back but did you have expectations with a psilocybin before you started i think i i i did some time back but as it got closer um, I was just reading up on it, and and again, you know, that whole just surrender to the experience came from something yeah. I I read or or it was you know a YouTube video, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and and that then became something I, whilst the experience was going on, I, I just kept reminding myself, just like just surrender to the experience, Dave, because you know the, because that's the whole point of you doing it. It's like it's like to have no expectations, and I think I've lived my life. To, I've tried to live my life in that way for the last couple of years, but again, it's been an effort rather than actually just just let it be. Um, so, so I think no would be the answer. And yeah. but 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 throughout it, I did catch myself starting to build some expectations, and then just kind of like no, just go with it. And I think if I was to do it again, then. I would be able to be better at doing that. Yeah. I think my friend was a bit more resistant to it. That's interesting um, because you said that he tried it before. Yeah, but he tried it before. He'd had a few beers. He was at a festival. It was it was more yeah. of a, uh, I don't know, a functional thing rather than, it was more uh, an addition to the party yeah. than an experience in itself. So, I mean, I, I haven't drunk alcohol for two months now, nearly. Yeah. Um, we'd normally get together and get pissed. Uh, but I did say a few days before, I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not drinking alcohol. I don't know how long it's going to be for, but I don't want to do this yeah. with any other substance in my body. I just want to have the experience of this. And, and afterwards, he said, I'm glad we did that. I'm glad we didn't drink so we, we did, we went out earlier, we had, we had, you know, something decent to eat. Yeah. And then came back and, and had the experience. So, um, and I think also, you know, had the experience, I probably went to sleep at about midnight, maybe shortly afterwards. Um, you know, slept through till 
eight in the morning. So there was no no hangover from it. Whereas, you know, you go out and go out to a club and take some ease, you're up all night, you're dancing like a lunatic, you're sweating, you're dehydrated, you just feel terrible. Um, there was none of that. It was just a very... I just felt like like being kind to myself. Just just relaxed, watch something on TV. I watched a load of stuff about magic mushrooms on YouTube. <laughs> um, you know, eat, eat well. Um, and... And don't put too much pressure on yourself. And again, I think I think that's where I'm at with it now. It's it's like actually to have no expectations of, of where it goes from here. It's like I'm feeling I, f- I felt better and better on average each day. Yeah. But it's like yeah, don't have the expectation that that's going to continue because if you just keep feeling better and better, you're going to explode at some point. <laughs> it's just you know, um, just just let it be what it is. Do you think that the sort of acceptance you're feeling also extends to your work? Um, I'm not sure. I think I think what I am feeling is that my acceptance. Um, I think I was accepting of others, but begrudgingly. Yeah. And now again, it's just it's just all my all my logical thinking is it feels like I don't, I've done about all. That's a big word. Um, but it feels like it's more integrated. It feels like something's been, some things have been joined up. Um, so I don't know in, in the context of work, because I, you know, I, I do some work just to earn some money at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I still don't know what I'm going to end up doing. But what I do know is that this experience is an intrinsic part of that process to work that out. So would you say, and I don't think I'm ever going to sit down and work. It's not like one day I was like, right, I'm going to sit down and this will be worked out. This will just be an ongoing process, and it will. Yeah, I I think you're right there. I think the idea. I mean, I'm. I I find one of the sort of strands of work that I do, I have done, is data analysis, which is a sort of deep dive into the the little pixels to come up with overall themes, but Mm -hmm. but they're not kind of um, they're not cast in iron because you can interpret data so many different ways and often it depends on what the client wants and what the uh, objective is and in some ways you're just quantifying data and presenting evidence to make a particular case because life life isn't uh, linear but I I wonder um, from what you're saying is if you kind of take your own life less personally because i know you were saying about how uh other people's or you were inferring that other people's behavior towards you kind of affects you less yeah um i'm sorry i don't know was was there a question there well not really I'm I mean, I, maybe there was. when we listen back there will be but I suppose what, what I'm asking in, in terms of work, because as you say, we do work to earn money. And whilst there's this idea that you should follow your bliss, that's that's a very kind of new age idea and it will all work out. I mean, it will work out in some form, but whether it's what our expectations are is another matter. But I, I suppose what I'm asking is where this experience, you know, which kind of corners of Dave it reaches to, and from what you're saying, you're, you're accepting, you're sort of in the flow, if you want to use that term. Yeah. And whether, whether with work, because you've been through a sort of transition in terms of work anyway. Yeah. Whether not it's given you answers, but it's sort of informed your attitude to work. Yeah, I think, uh, I suppose in terms of just my life, it's that acceptance of, this is where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, and and this place, albeit, you know, let's say it's, it's not what I really want, but this is just, it's it's there to be enjoyed as much as whatever comes in the future. I think in, in terms of what I do in the future, there's some stuff I've done in my past that that has always stood out to me, but it stands out to me in a different way. Right. It, it has a a greater importance and maybe it's just that I can give myself a pat on the back for doing it 
whereas I, I perhaps couldn't before, or I was doing, I was giving myself a pat on the back before this experience. Again, like a lot of other things I've said, it wasn't really ingrained in me. It was right. something that I was, I don't know, almost pretending to do without really acknowledging myself and the things I've done. So I don't know, it feels like I'm a bit too early in the process to, 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 to be able to do anything with that. I, I, I think I need some time just to let this whole thing work itself out. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I mean, it sounds like you're doing a kind of reflection, but without trying to control the narrative to just say, well, let's see what this yeah. is. Well, it is literally, you know, and I think that, that, you know, the daily podcast I do, the, the, you know, up until today, it was very much a, a reflection of that experience on Saturday. Yeah. And today's was very much of much a, well, this is how I feel right now as a consequence of that experience on Saturday. Um, so that's where I'm at. It's like, well, okay, so I'll get up tomorrow. How do I feel tomorrow? How do I feel the day after the day after? And I don't know. It's at some point I will, I will, I won't work it out. At some point, I realise that I'm just going through a process of keeping working it out. Yeah. Or it, you know, it, there won't be an end point to it. I won't. I won't get to a point. You know, in however long time, and say, right, that's it. I've got it all worked out now. Because that's not how life works. No, you're right. I mean, in a sense, life works us out. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think over the last couple of years, you know, sort of COVID and lockdowns, and you know, there there are a lot of people who thought they had it all worked out and life was settled. And now the, you know, the rug's been pulled. Um, so I suppose we, we just have to live our lives as us, as an entity, in a way that, that is best for us and, and work with what we've got at the time. I, I think that's, you know, there's a lot of talk about people living authentically. And I do think that that as an approach works, in inverted commas, when we're egoless yeah so you, and, and in a sense you can only be authentic when you don't think it's all about you it's a it's a strange uh, it's a paradox really that in order to work on the self you have to kind of divest yourself of that yeah and, and i suppose it's interesting that on social media people talk about this stuff and the reason they're doing it is to get attention is to feed their egos yeah, there's a lot. I mean, and we've seen uh, in the what what I lovingly and laughingly call the community, mm. where you get these individuals who will post about having to let staff go and the effect it's had on them, or someone telling them they're too attractive to work in whatever they work in, and yep. it seems to be this this need to. I'm not even I'm genuinely not sure what it's for. You know, you get 500 likes for not saying much. Yeah. What I'm not sure what the I'm genuinely not sure unless you're trying to build up a a following to get a career if that's the right word as an influencer. I genuinely can't see the point of it unless it's just validation and some kind of strokes. That that's it. I think is the validation. So people are looking for reassurance from others. Yeah. And that's an ego thing. It's like, I need my ego to, to, to have its head stroked. But in a so I can feel better about myself rather than do the work and then you won't need that. But in a planet of 60 billion, you're always going to find a few thousands who would agree with whatever it is. It's again, you know, back to this petition, there were a few hundred people in St. Oscar who said, quite right, down with this sort of thing. And I'm sure you can have another petition of uh, people who who would like to see a, a, a more sort of goddessy influence in St. Oscar or where else, and you could get hundreds of people. And both things are true, and neither of them are true, and what does it matter anyway? Well, but I suppose the people who, maybe the people who like it are less ego-driven in that context. It's like, well, oh, I like that. Jobs are good and yeah it's the, people, it's the people who are who are up against it are the ones whose whose ego is being challenged well that, that i mean this is perhaps a podcast for another time but this is this is the i think that 
this is what's most problematic about social media. It's about those who shout the loudest and whether that's controlling the narrative for personal politics or you know whether some celebrity queue jumped for the state funeral. Yep. That's a, a big thing at the moment. Although there is well, you, a... you only hear the, 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 the pro or the anti royalist narrative. Yes. You know, yeah. I wish they'd interview, they did I wish they'd interviewed me on the T V and then I could have said, I'm just not really that bothered. <laughs> yeah, next. Yeah, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch it. I might see little bits of it, I might show an interest in it just to I, I don't know, for whatever reason. But I don't I really don't have any strong feelings either way. Yeah, but it that bother me. It wouldn't bother me if the monarchy continued or it didn't. But that doesn't make for well, it does make for good television because it's kind of more thoughtful and reflective. But it seems that media in general they want these knee-jerk reactions one by the other. Yeah, because it it does feed those two extremes. In, in any of the major issues in the in the world at the moment or f- forever, the the extremes sell papers or whatever, yeah. whatever the extremes make money push those out there and they make money and they cause more divide all the rest of it um when we need the opposite of that and, and that's you know we need to be more focused on how we're similar than how we're different yeah absolutely but of course going back to politicians the same with the media is that they're, they're in the business of retaining power and being paid and people forget that 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 is yeah. the core objective there's no more we're here to tell the truth because there are multiple truths well yeah because if one party believes one thing the other party almost has to believe something else or, or how does it distinguish itself that's it's yeah yeah they, they have to have a different a different perspective in order to to find that echo chamber of people who, who are going to vote for them I think that's why a lot, if not all, of our personal revelations and experience, be they um, sort of psilocybin or meditation or whatever it is, occur in silence. Because in silence, there's no external voice. There's no external self. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the whole purpose of meditation, isn't it? It's just to, it's just to observe yourself. Yeah. And actually to dismiss those thoughts, acknowledge them. It's like, yep, thanks very much. (laughs) Off you go. (laughs) That's kind of the, you know, that's how I would describe it. And I don't, I don't do it a lot, but actually I I do, I do five minutes every day now. Yeah. Um, While my coffee's, while my coffee's brewing, I'd sit down and, and, and do five minutes and, and just sit. I think the consistency is more important than you know meditating for hours it's the same with exercise yeah. isn't it it's it becomes a routine and then it becomes yes. um effortless yeah absolutely so i think i think that's our message today become effortless i like that no, no absolutely and, and this is something you know before the weekend i i i've I have those little little tricks you know if, if i'm if i'm feeling like i don't want to do my workout I will tell myself I'm not going to do it. And then I do it. That's interesting. <laughs> because I don't like being told what to do. I've said this even by myself. <laughs> so you, so you, don't, you don't use the reward system of if I do this, then I'll either have chocolate or coffee or whatever. No, I, I mean, I think, it, I think, as I said earlier, it has shifted slightly in that I'm more focused on the benefits I'm going to get from this thing. And I don't mean I'm going to get, I'm not going to give myself a treat for doing it. The treat is the benefit I get. Yeah. And arguably the treat is the doing of it. And well, perhaps when you realise yeah. it afterwards. Well, so that's, I think that's where my thinking shifted is that whilst rather than thinking, I've got another 10 of these bloody things to do and it hurts. I'm thinking I'm getting stronger. Yeah. You know, mentally and physically. Which are all part of the same thing anyway. In yeah. Book. Um, so I don't know. I think that might just be a good place to to let this conversation go. Yeah, we shall each go off and just be. Yes. And I'm sure we'll do another in the future. Oh, it's good to talk to you three times. 
three times. Yes, indeed. I'll have to piece this one together. I will just shove them all in. Oh, that's cars. good because there's a bit in the middle where you left where, well, I'm referencing it now. That's quite meta where I said, I'm talking to myself now. If this goes on any longer, I'll have to advertise my books. But <laughs> yeah. know that I never did. You should have. You should have got it in there. No, I wasn't, wasn't. I wasn't there to stop you. Other books are available. That's you see. That's why I'm not a bestseller again. Well, which is why I'm going to invite you now to to tell us about your books, and then we'll finish. Okay, right. Um, there are. Two, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. There were two series. They were both about working class protagonists with chips on their shoulder. One is a working class spy at the arse end of British intelligence, Thomas Bladen. Yep. Five books, the complete Thomas Bladen thrillers. I'm now working on book six, so that kiboshes that title. And there are two uh, London detectives, the Craig Wilde mysteries about a London detective who is exiled to the Shires. Right. Thank you for that. All on Amazon. Pleasure. I will catch you soon, Derek. Take care, Dave. Cheers, mate. I've just added this little bit in because I wanted to talk to you about Patreon.com. Patreon.com is a website that allows people who produce content to monetize what they do. Now, I've been doing this podcast for four years now. It's always been free. It's still going to be free. But Patreon.com enables me to, to allow people to contribute financially to the podcast. So a bit of income for me and actually more importantly, a bit of an opportunity to invest in my podcast in some equipment to make it sound nicer, all that kind of thing. Um, I'd like to develop my podcast further. It's come a long way in those four years. And well, assuming that people like it, which I think they do, I've had some good feedback. So in order to continue and improve, you might want to go on to patreon.com forward slash bullshit detective and you can make a donation you can make a monthly donation 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 which would be the price of a cup of coffee or a beer or a packet of sweets or some broccoli from the supermarket that kind of thing it's up to you uh no pressure if you don't want to that's fine you can carry on getting your podcast if you want to contribute you can support the podcast so that everyone can have a podcast but anyway enough said patreon.com forward slash bullshit detective i will let you now get on with the podcast and stop bothering you about money cheers now thank you very much for listening to the latest episode the latest big episode of the bullshit detective podcast my name is dave brown And thank you very much to Derek for coming on once again. It's always lovely to chat to Derek. He's a very easy guy to talk to. Uh, Despite the interruptions we had, my blinking wife, who kept phoning me, which when I'm recording on my phone, just stops the recording. But anyway, I'll see you next time. Don't forget to listen to The Daily A Dose of Dave. Bye.